0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: With live, live within your means. Wow, that's no fun, is it? Set goals. These are some of the truisms that I've thrown down. Save enough to last until the day you die. That's kind of a tough one, right? Starting to say things like die. Don't create too much debt. Try to have a budget. You know, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I here's one thing that I try to bring to the table when I do the show is is as much honesty as I can. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty is too much. I wanna hold you till the die until we both break down and cry. Um I, I'm horrible at budgets. I've, I've I've hated budgets my whole life. I have multiple budgets. I've got my retirement budget, my savings. I got my vacation. Ah, uh, and that's where I screw myself. Or I used to say things like, I'm going to buy one CD a month. Do you remember when you bought CDs and they're like 1299 and sometimes you'd like a brand new one would be like 1599. You're like, Oh, what if it sucks? And There's almost nothing you could do about it, which is okay. But sometimes you'd break that budget. You go, okay, instead of buying one a month, I'm gonna buy two. Because he wanted more music. He wanted kind of a, something to impress. A library of CDs. Ooh. I know. I know. It's embarrassing, right? Um. So, yeah, I, I talk a lot about the basics, basic stuff. And, like, short-term focus. I don't have short-term focus. I have long-term focus. In investing. I take a look at situations like... Republicans or Democrats or taxes or tax cuts or tariffs. Like to me, I I, I don't look short term. <laughs> it's not going to do me any good. When I start thinking about retirement, I hope I start thinking about it about five years in advance. Which, for the record, if there's a seminar, you should come because you can start thinking about what you're going to need to think about. Or if you're at that age where you're five years from retirement, now is the time to act. In my opinion. It's so tough. Sometimes someone will send me an email and they're like, I'm 42 years old. I've got $200,000. I have $1 million of life insurance. I have a wife. And I'm like, okay, there's so much more to it than that. But I get why people want to go that direction. It makes it a lot uh, friendlier, so to speak, as far as you know, digesting how far you are from your goal or not. And people like to know that kind of stuff. One of the reasons short-term focus doesn't really work terribly well, but it's it, what's interesting about it is short-term focus is probably the area where most people try to rip you off, either with their knowledge so that they can get a transaction and a commission from you, or just with their knowledge and trying to you know, beat all that in a bucket of chicken. So the stock has gone down in the short term when the stock market has gone down in the short term, and people start to focus on that, and they go, What's the first thing they go? What's wrong? So if Apple goes from like 193 to 180, but last year it went from 100 to 180, people are like, oh, it's gone from 193 to 180. What's wrong? Stocks go down. It's normal. It's healthy. It could be an institution who's overhauling a portfolio and pushing some redemptions. Subsequent subsequent selling pressure can, you know, push the stock down short term. Nothing changed at the company. They still have all their key employees. They still have all their key product. They still have all their revenue growers. So it could be a rumor that pulls a stock down in the short term. It could be profit-taking. It could be a tie, for instance. You know, let's tie two things together. Oil prices go up. Uh, people start becoming a little bit more conscious of gasoline prices. They buy cars that have better gas mileage and, and less profits in the, in the, in the, in the gas mileage cars versus the uh gas guzzlers so i think the short term is where people get it all wrong where they kind of start making mistakes and become their own worst enemy have you ever fallen in love i just met ariana grande and i'm in love and we're gonna get married I put a big rock on her finger and and then like a month later you're like "Uh, she doesn't have to boil water i shouldn't say ariana grande because she's a lovely lovely human being and she's spoken for but have you ever short-term fuck it like it doesn't work And that's why it's so easy to scam people, because they're they're so caught up in short term love, short term money, short term you know cheating. What can I do to get ahead? Market timing is a scam, in my opinion. And that's again, it's the short term focus thing that people kind of say. I've got you know voodoo. I've got you know chicken bones. So chicken bones, chicken bones, chicken bones. Um, Show me a market timer worth ten million dollars. Show me someone who turned ten thousand to ten million. $10,000 doubled every four months, and you've heard the commercials is $5.3 trillion. Do you think there's anyone who's on that? And if they could do it consistently, why would they sell it to you? I've never understood that. Like, why you fall for it? Hey, at the the Training Academy, we're going to teach you how to trade just like the professionals. Ah, see, there's the rub. Short term, they're going to teach you everything the professional knows, and they're going to teach it to you in one, two, or three hours, Right. Or they're going to come up with software, just like the professionals use with our our algorithm that you can never, ever do yourself. So, the tough part about this is that's not what moves stocks. And that's not, you know, how to make money over time. Over time, you're looking for a company that is functioning inside of the world of capitalism, in my opinion. Because you could buy, you could find a company in, you know, communist China in the 1970s and... It wasn't going to go anywhere because it was communist China in the 1970s. So four things drive a stock higher or a stock market. You need a healthy market, a healthy industry. For instance, there's a big difference between the utility stocks as an industry and tech stocks. Utilities are very boring. They're very regulated. We, We can see them coming from a mile away. And thus, they're not very volatile because their visibility is huge. So four things drive a stock. You have to have a healthy stock market, capitalism, GDP growth. You have to have a good industry. If you want to beat the market, you're going to be taking more risk. If you want to, you know, be an orphan or an, a granny kind of investor where you don't have any risk tolerance, then you stick with utilities. Usually, you know, every now and then there'll be a company like an Enron that comes on the market that's trading energy. You're like, oh, is that a utility stock? No, it's not. It's a trading company. So anyhow and anyway, um Financial News is it differs like Golden Clay. I really like Bloomberg, I really dislike CNBC. It's just like the Wall Street Journal is different than Investors Business Daily. I like the Wall Street Journal, I like the Financial Times, I like Bloomberg. If it comes down to it, I'd rather get a, a story from like an AP Newswire. But you got to realize a lot of what's out there is just press releases. First first, I'm, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM
0: 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
1: And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Two big areas of spending right now are on technology and healthcare. I'm talking about investing in technology and some of the things we're seeing out there, but you see companies like Apple say we are interested in the watch becoming a healthcare device. We are interested in it being a medical device, and then there's going to be approvals that you have to get to make that happen. But we're talking about big money here. We're talking about where the money is going, where the money is going into R&D, where the money is going into research. Uh, and the, the investment ramifications from that. You know, Apple doesn't spend billions a year on research and development because they're throwing the money away. They're doing it to try to entice you into buying product in the future. Social media is one of those terms that has really grown up in the last five years a lot. Um, and it continues to grow. You know, we've seen it go from fringe us doing it, to our parents doing it, to our kids doing it, continues to grow. Facebook e-commerce click-through rates uh, growing from about 1% in 2016 to 3% today. So believe it or not, those little ads do work. They do have an open history, per se, that's a winner. In the earliest, earliest, earliest part of the 20th century, when I started my business, you know, there was areas where you would market towards. I remember, um, gosh, there was a company that would sell addresses. And in the financial media industry or the financial industry, you'd get the richest neighborhoods. Let's just, for poops and giggles sakes, call it, you know, Beverly Hills zip code. So you get the zip codes there and, you know, every house is worth over a million dollars and you'd, you you know, drop a postcard to them and say, hey, come listen to Rob Black speak. Now, before that, you you know, in the 1940s and earlier, you just had catalogs, very limited product selection. Uh, Sears, Roebuck, Montgomery Ward kind of dominated that. And in the 1940s to the 1990s, we started learning a little bit more about brands, where Macy's, Gap, and Nike kind of took over. Today, it's all about data and well before we get to today you know late 90s early 2000s you had a situation like ebay where you can get online and or amazon and, and order a million things if you wanted a pair of nike pink jordan running shoes someone had it for sale or someone had it if you used and now to get retail to work now it's all about you know getting it more personalized, curated towards you. So Apple curates music list, Spotify curates music list. And apparently I like the nineties <laughs> kind of thing, right? And it doesn't take a lot for it to figure you out, but that's all about the machine learning and the big data. Subscriptions have been a big grower on the internet in the last couple of years. Big grower. And a lot of people once said things like, I don't know if I'm going to pay you know, twenty-five cents or fifty cents a day for the New York Times when I can go online and get it for free. And now you're saying, "Well, I don't know. If I'm going to pay for it online because I can go to L.A. Times, which is free, and New York Times isn't free. Up to ten articles. And I'm like, I can get around that by just deleting all my cookies, right? But subscription services continue to grow, and subscriptions are, are Wall Street's favorite thing about the internet at times because it's a recurring payment. So Netflix has 118 plus million subscribers in 2017. Amazon's got 100 million subscribers to Amazon Prime. Spotify 70 plus million. New York Times three million. You're like, whoa, wait, wait, wait! Spotify 70 million and New York Times three million. Isn't the New York Times the the, rec, uh, the the paper of record? Isn't? Aren't they like? Yes. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but Dropbox has more subscribers than. The New York Times at 11 million. So, but Wall Street loves subscriptions because it's easy to say. I bet they make with something like uh, Netflix 118 million. You write down that number 118 million. It's 118, comma 000, comma 000, right? And then you times it by 10, 10 dollars a month. You're like, oh, I see what they're going to make in the next 90 days. And you they they tell you they're going to spend 8 billion on content this year, and you're like, whoa. Okay, that's not that doesn't add up with what they're getting in revenues, but I get it. Can they continue to get subscribers is the question Mobile shopping app sessions um, they're growing fast. people are enjoying shopping with mobile and they're they're engaging in it on longer periods of times. It's pretty interesting. um I used to use YouTube as like, oh, let's go find a music video or something along those lines, right? And then I got to a point where I was using YouTube to figure out how to put kids' toys together. And then I was using YouTube to figure out how to fix the washing machine. Then I was using YouTube to um, do a little bit of research on a product before I buy it, right? So we're all trying to game the system. The system's trying to game us. That's for sure. And there's a lot of what I would refer to as new retail or new e-commerce. E-commerce even sounds funny at times, Right? Alibaba and Amazon have a very similar focused area on how they're trying to do their business. It's almost as if Alibaba is copying Amazon. Now, Alibaba owns seven or eight websites where Amazon's really all about Amazon on a lot of levels, but they both have some physical retail stores going with Amazon Go, Amazon Books, Whole Foods. Alibaba does. So I look, I like comparing the two companies. They both are into payment systems. They both are into digital entertainment. They both are into cloud platforms. They're two companies that are fun to compare to each other on price to revenue, price to to earnings, price to income, price to debt, debt to equity. So it's fair to say that e-commerce platform in China is Alibaba as far as the retail infrastructure goes. And it's fair to say the whole infrastructure of the United States retail system is transforming into something that Amazon's pushing. So not only can you go get your groceries, but you can also ship your packages. I get it. So the question is, how do you extend that platform now beyond your home countries? How do you get Amazon or Alibaba into Pakistan or Indonesia or India or Singapore? Do you do it with acquisitions? Do you do it with... Um, yeah, acquisitions is probably the easiest way to do it. You could try to you know set up shop, but you're already behind, right? With internet advertising, one of the cool things about it is accountability rises. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Road to retirement. It's like being on the road to nowhere. Ah! It's the hurly burly of life. So many things to pay attention to in the world. And then suddenly you're like old and ready to retire. It's kind of cruel. Your eyes stop working as well. Your body stops working as well. And you're expected to make financial decisions that are smart. When your body and your eyes don't, you can't even read the papers you're signing. That's kind of a cruel irony, but we're also living longer. I can tell you, I've had two grandparents um, that I've watched get to the point where they just won't die. Maisie, the underdog, had to be put to sleep finally because she just wouldn't die. Her legs gave out, her hips gave out, her body was given out. So the road to retirement It's kind of cruel because as you get older, your body just doesn't doesn't work like it used to. And that's why you have to have a checklist in your 30s and 40s. And then as you get to your 60s and 70s, you need to have another checklist. You need to have someone you trust. A good financial planner or someone in the family who knows what the heck they're doing and and isn't isn't like basically regurgitating the lowest common denominators ways to make money or the ways that make them money. I see a lot of people die. And when they die, financially speaking, uh, their matters get very complicated because one kid wants the house and one kid wants nothing to do with it. I've got a brother who, when my mom was put into a home a few years back, it's so funny doing this radio show. You could really document my life on, you know, the big events that I talk about because I haven't talked about this in a while. Oh, I sell my mom's house going to do this. That was on my mind three years ago. And now what's on my mind is like, you know, I had a brother during that time and I kind of forgot this. He wanted all of her worldly possessions because he got through the point of his life where he didn't have a lot of worldly uh, uh, possessions. So he's like, well, if I go over and grab it, then it's kind of mine. And it's like, well, it doesn't quite work like that. And he also wanted the house and is like, you know, her wishes are like her health care first and foremost, you know? Oh, I'll take care of her. I'm like, but you can't. You work. So anyway, in your thir- mid-30s and early 40s, one and a half times to two times your salary by age 35. Otherwise, you're on that road to trouble. If your employer has a 401k match, you know, play that game. Do it. Go talk to HR. Go talk to your employer. I don't know if you work for a big company, small employer. Go talk to HR. HR has benefits. And there's something called a benefits page where you will be surprised at what, at what you get. If you just read the fine print of what your company is offering you. So if you're not saving enough, boost your contributions. It's kind of simple. So, and I tend to tell people who are just, you know, totally raw, virgin investors, their eyes are big, they're scared. I'm like, it's going to be okay. Get the free money first. And the next year up your contribution from 3% to 4%. And suddenly it's, you're almost at 7% because your company's matching that 3% or whatever it is they're matching. So invest for growth in your 30s, 40s, 50s. I know that's easy to say because we look back at the last 20 years and that's been the way to do it. But I'm not a bond guy and it stinks because there's people like CFP Chad Burton who is kind of a by the books kind of guy, you know, good cop, bad cop. He's not going to break any laws where I'm going to say I'm going to break some laws. The laws of investing basically say you should have a lot of bonds. You should have your age minus 120 in your bond. Ah, I can't stand it. It makes me go Schwarzenegger. Ah! bonds bore the hell out of me. I'll be back. So, yeah, some rules are going to have to be broken. But again, that, that's for me. It's not necessarily for you. So in your mid 40s and 50s, you know, again, you want three to four times your salary by the time you're 45. Otherwise, you're probably going to work till the day you die. Sorry to say it, but that's kind of true. You want to rebalance your portfolio on occasion. I'm the worst offender of this. I, I I let my winners win. I bought Microsoft back in the '90s, well, because they were Microsoft, and I made a ton of money on Microsoft. Guess who still owns Microsoft today? Even though it had a ten-year period of underperformance, I could have rebalanced. And I didn't. I'm happy I still own it. Ownage. <laughs> Take down. Those 1980s arcade games finish him that's that's my career I want, be, I want to be exactly I want to be an arcade character So in your 40s and 50s in your 40s in particular in your early 50s, yeah, you need to have an investment strategy because now you're down to your like last 10 15 years of work if you're lucky. So you should be able to lay this out and prove to me that you're gonna have enough money when you retire in 10 years. and if you can't, maybe you don't retire in 10 years. CFP Chad Burton would be like, well, by cutting down your expenses and by working extra five years, even if it's only a minimum wage, you'd be able to calculate your life to a hundred sleep, but you got to have, you got to be able to write this stuff down and and I'll, I'll help you. I'll, I'll pull up your social security numbers and show you like how it's kind of a push. You'll have some healthcare costs and you'll have social security and those will eat each other up easily. So you better show me a nest egg on top of social security. Otherwise it ain't going to be pretty. I have some land out uh, in the desert that I'm going to put trailer parks on because a lot of people are going to be living in trailer parks in the desert. A lot of Americans. And what's the craziest part about it is we've taken on so much debt to become further educated. And then we we don't think about age 60 to 100. We only think about age 20 to 60. So in your 50s, this is horrible to say, but the government lets you save more money for retirement why they wouldn't let you do it in your 20s and 30s is beyond me. But in your, when you turn 50, it's almost cruel. They're like, you know what? We're going to let you save a couple extra thousand dollars in your 401k, your 403b, your 457, or your IRA. And that, thank you. Would have been nice to do it earlier, but now is the time to take advantage of it. And for instance, the year I turn 50, Mike, you know, 401k will go from 18,500 to 22, 23, 24,000, depending on where we are in the years. And you, I get to put that extra $5,000 in, it's, it's going to stink. It's going to be, but I'm going to do it because I'd rather have more than less when I die. I'd rather have the greater than symbol than less than. I remember learning that and you're like, who the hell thought of this? I remember in seventh grade math, just looking at like geometry. I was like, does sine, does a equal opposite over adjacent? Cosine is opposite over sine tangent is opposite over to Jason. Like, who bothered to write this stuff down? Anyway, I know you're saying, I'm going to look that up to see if he's right. Fine, do it. So by your mid-50s, you're now down your last five years, and old man time is marching on. You should really have six to seven to eight times your salary. When all is said and done, I want you to have 10 to 20 times your salary. So if you're making $100,000, I want you to have a million to $2 million. Minimum that's to play the game of retirement that's to say i could start thinking about punching the clock out for the last time about going up to my boss and saying take this job and shove it until you have until you have 10 to 20 times i think you got to keep working in my opinion and that's just a very general blanket thing but now you're going to be like but i'm expected to inherit a million dollars okay then you don't need 10 to 20 times your salary i don't care now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh at you when that a million dollars that you're going to inherit doesn't actually exist, that your father was basically you know running the companies into the ground with debt and when he dies, all the creditors take everything and you get nothing. Nothing. But you thought you were going to inherit that money and you decided not to save your whole entire life. So instead you lived a hippie lifestyle and you're like, I'm going to go to the Grand Tetons. And I'm like, okay, go to the Grand Tetons you hippie. And I get it. You're a little too quick with that. So, yeah, you know, you should have an investment plan and it shouldn't be that you're going to inherit money. I've got family members that he hasn't worked in four and a half years and he's turning 50 soon. He's just taking four and a half years off. It's not to be granola. It's to like find the perfect job. I'm like, at some point in time, take the less than perfect job. Because you're missing out on Social Security funding, you're missing out on funding your retirement, and you're draining your your nest egg. You should have an income plan in retirement. In your mid fifties, you should start thinking about how am I going to get money? Because it ain't the easiest thing to figure out. You're not going to be like, should I sell all my Apple or should I sell all my Microsoft? Should I sell all my uh, cookies and and cream ice cream? I don't know. I don't have an answer for you on that one, right? So you you need to figure out in your mid-50s what income is going to look like. I've got a friend who has a, like, I've got a retirement house. I've got some income here. Uh, and like, okay, so how much income are you going to make? And what are your costs going to be roughly? Because if you have an income home, you're probably paying property taxes, insurance, and other things. And you need to start figuring out how much can you truly pull from it. So in your mid-50s, look into Social Security and start thinking about a plan B. I uh, you know for some people, plan B if you have nothing to retire with, you go into a bank with a loaded gun and you shoot it and say, "Give me all the money," and you sit down and you wait for the police to come take you to jail Now jail's going to be nice you 're going to get three meals a day you're going to get air conditioning you're going to get you know cable TV, but that's a bad plan B uh, Figuring it out in your, your when you turn sixty that's a bad plan B. Working a couple extra years, maybe that's cutting down your costs, moving to a different state, moving to a different country. That's the kind of plan B that most people need to start thinking about. You should have a plan A and a plan B, and you should be able to show them to me. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm not going to do a show and tell you about the best pizza in the world. And you know why? I don't have enough space in my brain to figure out what the best pizza in the world is, nor do I care enough. I care about getting near retirement, and it's my number one focus. And it it stinks because I come in relationships, and whether they're friends or family members or my spouse, and I I can't enjoy the moment. I can't. I look at everything as a financial decision. So that's a truth. And I think you should, too, on some levels. Or, don't moan and groan about it later in life. It's like, well, if you didn't vote, then you can't complain about the president. I don't care if you vote or not. More people voted in and, and, you know, um, The Voice this year than voted for the president. Eh, that tells me that something's wrong with America. American Idol gets more votes. Clay Aiken gets votes! And it angers me. With that said, don't moan and groan when you're living in a trailer park. Later in life, I'll be 75 years old. I'll have a lot of money. I'll pull up in my um, my Cadillac and I'll, 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 I'll steal your wife. I'll steal your children. They'll love me because I have money and you don't. And they'll say, Pa, I'm going with Rob. He's going to be my new daddy. So don't moan and groan if you don't save enough. That's all I'm going to say. You need $1 million to pay you $40,000 a year to stay out of that trailer park. If you don't have a million, I think there's a good chance you went in a trailer park. That's just my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Or you can go to Arkansas, Oklahoma, and you could live off $400,000 or $300,000. But it goes fast. Um, let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Now, you're one of the kind of self-employed guys because you're a mortgage guy, BayAreaLoanSource.com. So you don't have the benefit of a 401k, uh, but you do fund a retirement account.
0: So, every year. Every year, is it fun to do? <laughs> it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I have some my emergency fund there, and I could keep moving it every year over to the um, IRA. Got it. So pretty simple. Have you ever I'm had happy it? that my wife can actually go back on IRA this year? She's back to work. You know, we were talking about um, credit card debt and situations like that. Have you ever had a situation where you couldn't pay a debt?
1: Wow, I'd have to go back many many years. I did. I I, I got in some credit card debt. That got out of control right out of college and i remember the debt collectors would call and like let's say it was a usaa credit card they sold the debt to a slimy phone caller debt collection company and they'd call me and say is is rob black there i'm like oh no rob black's dead (laughs) i told creditors that i was dead because it got too much to handle can you send in a minimum payment can you do this can you do that can you do this can you do that um, and it was just, it was yeah. hard. And th- that seems to have backed off. Or I no longer am in
0: debt and I'm not getting those calls. Do people still get those calls? Uh, absolutely. Um okay. You know, we, we actually see this often. You know, as often as we see these kind of credit reports, uh, the last thing you want to do is really ignore something like that. You, I don't say go out and get a lawyer, but you, you, you want to start figuring out how you're going to pay that because that's going to sit there for a long, long time. Yeah. Until it's, it's going to just sit there forever. My first you house, I, my first house I, had have, bankrupt. I had to have
1: one of my business partners kind of front me, uh, co-sign with me
0: because my credit wasn't good enough. Is that crazy? Yeah don't don't get me started about cosigning. What's what's your opinion on cosigning? It's, it's it, that is something that is well if I if you and I co-sign, we buy a house and uh-huh. then let's let's say I don't want to be involved anymore and I leave but you can't afford to buy me out so I was like okay I'll just leave you I'll stay on the loan. Well, let's say you make a late payment that that affects me uh, and the same thing for uh, like a father and a son you know the son wants a car yeah. and they cosign or. In your case, a friend helped co-sign for you to get a credit card or something, sure. and it just it it, it can get commingling your credit. I, I think is only really good for spouses. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're you're just opening yourself up to risk. Do you remember my friend Amy? Uh, absolutely. So, um, Amy J. Yep, yeah. You can say Amy Jackson,
1: Action Jackson, as we used to call her. Um, you and I and her used to go to shows together. Yeah, musical shows, like dave matthews and mm-hmm. it was interesting that you said dave matthews has no talent
0: will never succeed you said that his violinist <laughs> no, is over the top i never said that i said he, I you said were he gave, wrong no i said he gave me a headache <laughs> with that said he was on some crazy drugs oh right my gosh um, I, I met him as well and it was he was way over my head The violinist gave me—he just just gave me a headache. He kind of talks like, kind of
1: like a little bit like this. He's kind of like all over the place. Where he's like, you know, I like music because you know my my guitar kind of talks to me when I'm playing it. And you're like, okay, you're a little bit too weird. Your guitar doesn't actually talk to you. But that's neither here nor there. So let's keep moving forward. Uh, Was that even possible? Oh, Amy Jackson. Um, I co-signed a car with her because she—I was totally in love with her. I was infatuated. I was smitten as a college boy. And um, I, I was responsible. She was dating a Marine who wasn't responsible. And um, she wrecked her car. He wrecked her car, something like that. And her parents went at sign and she didn't. She's she going to get a car, so I did it. And it, it was on my car. It was on my credit for many, many years. So, not the
0: smartest thing to do. The only thing I could say about uh, credit in that you know having a credit event is to get it over with early. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, because it, it does take time to fix itself and you do eventually want to buy a house if you haven't already bought one. Um, I know people who they buy a house and then they screw up their credit and they, they don't care because they, I already have a house. I don't care about my credit anymore. Uh, a lot of people with money, they don't really pay attention to their credit because they think money can fix it. Uh-huh. But it, which is weird because, uh, I, I'll have somebody come in and say, I make $300,000 a year. I deserve to buy a house, but I didn't pay attention to this. This collection. I haven't okay. seen my credit, and then you see it, and it's so they have bad credit, but they make good income. But they're going to end up with a higher interest rate, but they think they deserve a lower interest rate because they have a lot of money. Bad. And it, what it, you're seeing it, you is bad credit it. is like an STD. It lurks <laughs> underneath. You don't really notice it.
1: And it's and yeah, it it pops suddenly up it pops times. up at the worst time, and you're like, oh, I didn't know. I had these little critters running around down there. So, yeah, yeah. So that's Tony Mendez. <laughs> Talking venereal diseases and credit. <laughs> Actually, I was the one who threw in the venereal disease. But yeah, credit can come back to haunt you in weird times. You can find Tony at bayarealonesource.com. That's bayarealonesource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking credit, talking investing, talking debt, talking insurance, talking retirement. Getting you there sooner than later, investing. Oh, yes. You can find Tony at bayarealonesource.com. You can find me at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. And I got contribute a lot of downloadables to newfocusfinancial.com. Downloadables, things you can get in your hands and look at.